welcome to Surrogacy Australia's podcast series. I'm your host, Anna Mackay. Thank you for sharing your time to listen to this episode. These recordings are from the regular one-hour free webinars that I run, which I invite you to attend if you haven't already. They take you through how surrogacy works in Australia, including how to find a surrogate or intended parents. There are opportunities to ask questions, and you hear from a co-host each time about their own journey. This episode, recorded in August 2023, features Ellie. Ellie and her husband Luke from Adelaide expanded their family with son Alfie in March 2023. Alfie was carried by Sarah, whom they met at a mutual friend's wedding. Ellie also has Sunny, who is four, two stillborn babies, Taj and Lenny, and needed a surrogate due to her cervix not holding pregnancies to term. You can hear Sarah's version of this story in the next episode. In this episode, we talked about the emotions that come up for a woman when another woman carries her baby, like shame that her body couldn't carry and jealousy that your baby is growing in another woman, as well as a sense of feeling out of control that another woman is carrying your baby. How that even when you have a strong team, surrogacy is so complex and things come up. Ellie's advice for others who are looking for a surrogate. You don't know unless you put it out there. Hold on to hope because it is so possible. And for her, it was a heart-opening, expansive experience. I hope you enjoy the episode. We've got Ellie with us and we're going to work through the photos that she shared with us uh, to share her journey. Obviously, these photos here, Ellie, there's a lot that's happened before this point in terms of bringing you to surrogacy and how you met your surrogate, Sarah. So we'll come back to that. So take us through what who's in this photo and what's happening. So this is the embryo transfer. Um, so this was the day that we, Luke and I, my husband, Luke is my husband, had made our embryos and this was the day that we transferred our first embryo into Sarah. Wow. We're sitting there and I think the embryo has been transferred so you can kind of see it in on the screen there. Did yeah. it work first embryo transfer for your team? We, we were very, very lucky and it did work first time. Um, we were going into it not expecting, you know, just trying not to get our hopes up too much, but it did. That's so, great. Yeah. Just as a little side note for people listening there, I've gathered some statistics on this and about 56% of surrogacy teams, it does work on the first embryo transfer. Yeah, right. And 91% of teams birth within three embryo transfers. Wow. Wow. So that's often a common question. How many embryos should we have? And I I would say at least three. So um, how, how many did you have in the freezer? We had three. We've got two there still. Yeah. Yeah, we felt comfortable having three, um, both us and our surrogate. I, I think that's a good number to have. Right. And so then the pregnancy worked and and so it went on. So this is Sarah here taking a selfie. Yes, yes. And I will say Sarah is actually a photographer as well. So we got some quite nice shots throughout the pregnancy. Yeah, so this is her. I can't even remember how far along she was just yeah. rocking the pregnancy and <laughs> doing and, a really good job at carrying and how was the pregnancy for her? Was she um, unwell or fairly okay? She was okay. She said it was definitely her hardest pregnancy to carry. She's got four kids of her own already, a 10-year-old, 13-year-old, a four-year-old and a now two-year-old. She felt like her body, she struggled physically more than the other time. So I think fifth pregnancy, um, yeah, she did pretty well too. <laughs> yeah. We often say to surrogates, they're always older each time they get pregnant. Yeah. So it's harder on your body sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, she, yeah, she's pretty, she went pretty well. 
I love this photo because I think this is a classic surrogate intended mom or intended parent photo. She's looking at you because surrogates often do it for the joy that they bring their friends and family. Was this a particular event or just a catch up in a backyard? Uh, So this is when Sarah met my family. So she came over, met my mum and dad, my husband's mum and dad and and our brothers and sisters. And then I announced to Sarah, um, oh, she she already knew, but announced to my family and she was there, um, the gender of the baby. So it was a very special day. And I actually like look at this photo now and we had our, um, the birth um, videoed and it was that look that she gave me when Alfie came out. And yeah, it just reminded me of that. Mm, it's beautiful and so yeah that's introducing her to your friends and family you know they're realizing this this village that's come together to help you expand your family there did you have positive reactions from people in your friends and family about it or curiosity or concerns we were overwhelmed with positive responses and support I think everyone was kind of you know with us through everything that kind of led us to needing um, a surrogate. So I think overjoyed and lots of curiosity, lots of questions. I mean, it was like nerve-wracking putting it out there, but to be responded with that support, um, yeah, it meant a lot. And then that brings us to birthday. Was it an induction, a planned one? I think I knew that, was it? It was in the end, yes. So I think Sarah was just over 38 weeks. Um, And there was, yeah, a few things that had happened along the way and we just decided in the end we would... She originally just wanted to go naturally, but we just thought to coordinate everybody and it was just easier to have that induction booked in. Um, So everyone had agreed on that. Well, lots to coordinate with her four kids. You've already got a kid to work, schedules. Yes, and and her sister as her birth partner and her sister's got two kids and so it was just easier that way. And I felt like I had a bit more control too, knowing um, when it was going to happen. (laughs) And so a classic question for IPs is, were you at the birth? And yes, by the looks of things, you were. Yes, we most definitely were. So it was myself, my husband, and then Sarah had her sister, yes, as her support person. So the three of us, and it was the best day ever. It was just pretty surreal to be in that room, supporting her and sitting next to my husband, Yeah, particularly as we'd been through a few births previously that were quite traumatic. This was just, yeah, the most beautiful experience and it was very healing. Oh, that's that's really yeah. lovely to hear. That's, that's probably a good moment for me to mention to listeners that um, Ellie and Surrogate Sarah have each done their own podcasts with um, Australian birth stories. If you're familiar with that, they've got a massive following there. You can look up their episodes there. And Ellie talks about a lot of what has brought her to surrogacy and her previous pregnancies with um, carrying Lenny and Taj, um, who was stillborn, and Sunny, who was um, born quite prematurely. So obviously, your experience with birth prior to this point was, as you say, had some trauma and lots of complications and very medical, whereas this was a water birth in the end, was it? She did, yes. She she made it into the bath and that's what she, she wanted. <laughs> so, yeah, it was beautiful. And so a classic question is often, um, did you stay in the hospital and like rooms next to each other for a night or were you spent some time together post-birth? How did it work for you? Yeah, we cracked open a bottle of champagne after, <laughs> not straight away, but yeah, we, we all celebrated together and you know, obviously had that time with Alfie um, and then we stayed together overnight in rooms next to each other, ordered pizza, delivered hers to her door, she had some rest and then um, the next morning we woke up. It was actually the strangest thing, I think, separating after that 
and then she I think she had a she had a big sleep she was just exhausted and then she woke up and she was like oh like just wanted to be close to us so we ended up hanging out um I think it was it might, must have been early the next morning um and then she actually she brought her photography camera to the hospital because she wanted to take photos of us with Alfie after the birth so she took some photos the next day for us and how special to have those photos, but also done by a photographer. By a photographer, I know, yeah, yeah. You guys both live in Adelaide. What's the difference in distance apart from your houses in time? So, yeah, we live about 20 minutes away from each other. That's so pretty good. Not far, yeah. Yep. What else have we got here? So these are the photos that you mentioned that um, that Sarah took? Uh, oh, these are just, yeah, straight after the birth. So this was, yeah, just after Abby was born. Sarah didn't take these ones. I think she was probably still maybe birthing the placenta at this time or, you know, just resting. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so this is when our, this is our um, eldest, Sunny, came in to meet baby Alfie. So. Pretty special when you're... Your older child meets your little one, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, it is. It really was. And, yes, very proud, as you can see in those photos. And Sonny now, is he four? Is that right? Yeah, he's just turned four. Yeah. And then this is yeah, a photo of you all together. So, yes, this was um, as we were about to leave the hospital the next day. Surreal walking out those hospital doors. And, yeah, one feeling that we just weren't prepared for was when we dropped Sarah home from the hospital and just leaving her. Felt like we wanted to take her home and just <laughs> do this together. And, yeah, it was very strange. Um, and some, some yeah, strange feelings, you know, those weeks afterwards. Yeah, just I suppose that connection that you could have never prepared for um, and obviously it's still there, it's going to be there forever now, um, but that, that was just the beginning. You know, the pregnancy was, you know, a big part of it, but after the birth that was like, wow, yes, opened us all right up. It's yeah. an enormous project. You go on together as adults and then the project ends with the baby, but then it sort of changes your dynamic. It's still there, but it it, it adjusts, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, you have this closeness that... You can't, you can't even describe it. We often that's... say that. It's like, no, unless you've been through it, it's really hard to understand. It's impossible. I was just going to say that, the same yeah. thing. That once yeah. you've been through it, you know, it's so intimate. And that hence this word, this sorrowship word, it's yeah. you've got a friendship with people and then you've got your intimate life partner. But a sorrowship is more than a friendship because you're having a baby together and that's usually something you only do with your life partner. And so the, the planning of a pregnancy and the decisions that get made for this little person's life is quite intimate. And to all be in the birth suite together is, you know, a very special bonding moment for everybody. I can hear it in your voice that it's it's like nothing else you've ever done. Yes, that's right. <laughs> then life goes on. We've got some family photos here. Life goes on. I know. Here we are. So that Alfie would have been about three or four weeks old there. And it's just so interesting. I like sitting down with you, Anna, and just reflecting on, you know, where this all began. Life just goes on. And it's actually been really great for me to sit down and think, wow, like everyone that's listening tonight, we were in your position less than two years ago and now we've got this baby here and I would have never could have never imagined it to be honest I just 
it, and it's become your new normal because new normal but we are so blessed I'm glad that we just didn't give up and we didn't lose hope because yes it happened and it can happen for everyone I yeah well said so for those listening um I I follow Ellie on social media and I think that's possibly how I found you <laughs> it's been lovely to watch you know Alfie grow and Sunny too and and you guys slide into family life and another interesting thing that you have done is you induce lactation which for those listening if they haven't heard about that that meant Ellie went through a regime to express milk from her body even though she didn't birth the baby there's a a process to go through so is it meant that have you fed him exclusively or close to from birth I have fed him exclusively um, from birth. Yeah, oh, I think that's been even one of my favourite parts, having that bonding experience. And it's, yeah, I, I didn't even know it was possible at the beginning. Um, I mean, it's not something I'd thought about. I just probably would have assumed that, you know, I wouldn't be able to breastfeed. But I think I'm just trying to remember where, I think it was on one of the, maybe the Facebook groups um, that I joined where I, yeah, read about it. And then I found a lactation consultant in Adelaide, and this was through the Surrogacy Australia Facebook group. This one had been recommended by a few women, um, and so I went and saw her, and then she gave me a protocol to follow. Yeah, and so I was able to just take medication um, along with the pill and then expressing. There's yeah, just like on, on a timeline, I was able to bring on lactation. And yeah, as soon as Alfie was born, I put him to my breast and he fed. And I like, I didn't know how it was going to work out, but what are we almost six months on? And I've been feeding him the whole time. Well, well done. Uh, it's a credit yeah. to you. Just a little plug there. I've done a webinar in the past and there's a recording that people can find on the uh, YouTube channel, Surrogacy Australia, where I had three mums through surrogacy come on and talk about inducing lactation. One of them was a Hannah, the, the mum from Adelaide, and I mentioned yes, the photos yeah. before. Um, you may have chatted with her at some point. Yes, so if people are, that's something that they're interested to hear more about, we've got a, a recorded webinar for that one. Take us back to the beginning then, Ellie, that um, obviously I guess a little bit of why you needed a surrogate and then how did you find Sarah? Yeah, sure. So I suppose our just, you know, there was a lot to it. So just kind of summarising back in, it would have been 2015, we got married, fell pregnant straight away, thought, oh, this is easy. We so, so fortunate to to get to that point, but we lost our first baby Taj I was 20 weeks along, um, waters just broke and we didn't know why. Then fast forward, we were trying for three years after that and it was classed as secondary unexplained infertility, which I didn't even know was a thing, failed IVF attempts. Then I had an endometriosis diagnosis um, and once I had that removed, fell pregnant naturally with Sunny. So carried on thinking, you know, just watching closely. Um, turns out that it was my cervix that couldn't hold the babies in. So we gave, I gave birth to Sunny at 25 weeks. So he was born very prematurely. So a long NICU journey. After Sunny got pregnant, um, he would have been about two years old. So we had a stitch, everything that we thought would get us further. 21 weeks along again, we lost our second baby, Lenny. So after that loss, I felt crazy at the time. I'm like, we have just had so much loss and heartache, but I just wasn't willing to give up. Surrogacy was something that we thought about in the past. And I think maybe I just had it in the back of my mind as one day, like it could be an option for us, just helping me to hold on to that hope. And it would have been, I think it was like two months after we lost Lenny. I just started exploring it more. I joined the surrogacy Facebook groups, the South Australian one, the Australian one. 
I read a lot of Sarah Jeffords blog posts, um, listened to her podcasts. So I just kind of dived in and just tried to just learn as much as I could. I didn't join SAS, but now after listening, <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just, just lucky the way that everything fell into place. So the one thing that I remember reading was that you often, it'll be somebody in your network or extended network. I think I saw it in the statistics, you said three out of three out of four teams. Three yeah. out of yeah, four teams are someone that they know. Um, and the only way to know is to put it out there. I suppose for me, I, I've always been pretty open in sharing, especially with our fertility struggles. I find it's just very therapeutic for me. And and I just, the more I do it, the more I realise I'm not alone. And I I know that there's other people out there that find comfort in, in me sharing what's going on internally for me. So I put a post out which is very daunting, not asking for a surrogate, like you said, Anna, but just saying like, this is where we're at, kind of like talking about surrogacy and what it was and just saying like, this is going to be our next step. Um, And we've got nothing to lose, but everything to gain. So we put that out there. And then Sarah, so a bit of a backstory, I had met Sarah, who is our surrogate, at a wedding back before we lost Lenny and, and we'd kind of gone into the surrogacy path she was the photographer at a wedding that I was in one of my my girlfriends I was the bridesmaid so we connected there you know got along really well bonded over the fact that she had a sonny that was a week younger than our sonny and at the time when she was photographing my girlfriend's wedding she was pregnant heavily pregnant she would have been about 36 weeks along and I just remember thinking, wow, like you rock pregnancy. She's running around with the camera. Um, so that was when I first met her. And so then fast forward to we'd, had, we'd lost Lenny, put the post up, and then she read the post. And she reached out to me through a message. Um, I think it was on Instagram and just said, like, look, I read your post about surrogacy. This is something I'd, I would really love to do for you. Um, if you wanted to catch up, just let me know. So we went from there. And we were talking before about timelines. So I think that was about towards the end of 2021 that you caught up? Yes, yes. Then November, yeah, so 2020 was the wedding. And then it was, yeah, towards the end of 2021. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And so then it was sort of, what, a year and a half then to get to the point then of, of having little Alfie here. So yeah. you must have then spent a bit of time chatting and look, discussing what the journey would look like and then you went through the paperwork and then you would have gotten pregnant, oh, I don't know what month that embryo transfer was, like June-ish? June, it was about June that we got pregnant. Yeah, so just um, like just touching on, I think this is one thing that I just go back to the beginning and like putting that out there, trying, asking for someone like I know how daunting it feels and I remember at the time, like I didn't know where it was going to lead us. I didn't, I had no idea what the response would be. So I suppose anyone listening, it's like I know how that feels and now that I've done it and we've got Alfie and I'd do it a hundred times over and you just don't know who's out there. Sarah got in touch with us, but there was some other people too that I would have never have known. And I think maybe like, I just, I feel so lucky that others offer, but I just feel like that's one point you just don't know until you put it out there. So 
Agreed. That's that's great advice for people. You've got to put it out there. And the worst that can come from it is that you will gain support from people and you will increase their awareness of surrogacy. And then the best is that either someone will step forward or someone that you shared it with will tell someone else. And that's how it might work, isn't it? it works. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we started catching up. Sorry, Anna, I just went off. No, that's good. It's it's good to weave it all in. <laughs> yeah, started catching up and yeah, I remember that first catch up. It's like it's very nerve wracking. You you feel like you're dating, and it's, yes. she came over with her kids, and it was just so easy from the beginning. And I think we just had that like that ease and and that connection that was just I just it felt so right. And then yeah, we just started catching up quite regularly, going to the park, catching up for coffee going to each other's house and then I think we just had to make the call like so are we, we going to do this together <laughs> yeah from there we I think it was that was towards the end of the year in the December that year the December 2021 um Luke and I went through IVF so we made the embryos we hadn't done anything else yet hadn't started the process like the paperwork but we did that part first and yeah we're lucky to have, make three embryos and yes and so then the counseling and legals and that led you then to the transfer yeah yeah and I suppose like I think back to and just at the beginning feeling so overwhelmed about the whole process and I suppose with SAS that's where you can have that support and guidance on the process and the steps which I didn't have so that somebody was- telling you what's coming next yeah. And so I just felt really overwhelmed. And I just remember thinking, okay, we'll just yeah, one foot in front of the other. And I think doing the IVF was a big part. We just get that out of the way. But I found for us, it's once we started going through our IVF clinic, they had a, like a checklist and they laid it all out for us. Mm. Yeah. I remember just feeling, and Sarah too, like it was going to be massive and just a lot, but we actually felt like it was pretty straightforward once we got going. And Maybe that's our, you know, that's our experience, but I don't know. I, I got overwhelmed with, you know, hearing that it was it was going to be a lot, but I just feel like once you get going. Yeah. No, I think that's about right. Once yeah. once you do have a surrogate and you've talked together about what the journey looks like for you all, then there's just logistics and paperwork and, and steps to follow there. Did you ever know, like while you were doing the journey, of anybody else who had done surrogacy to sort of talk to a bit like a mentor or somebody to just say, hey, this is what we did? Did you have much support there? So I had I had conversations through the Facebook groups. I found that really valuable. Yeah, there was people that I connected with there and then we we started chatting in Messenger and well, like if I had questions, I would post them on on the group. So yeah, I'm not sure if anyone that is watching is, you know, you, you probably have already joined to your state groups and the Australian Facebook groups, but I think they that was really valuable for me. You have that place that you could ask those questions to along the way or a little, how, how did people do this or how did you feel about that? Yeah, but I suppose no one like in my media network that I knew that. Well, speaking of things like how did you feel about things, what were some of the feelings that you experienced during this journey? Were there any that caught you off guard? Yeah, oh, definitely. And I think, you know, it's just so unique. And I think um, there was just, yeah, feelings that I wasn't really expecting. And I was, yeah, speaking to you Anna, about wanting to talk about those because they came up and I, I just wasn't prepared for them. And it might be things that you don't, people don't experience, but, you know, just in case. Yeah, I suppose the first one was when the embryo was transferred into Sarah. 
this even saying it, I'm like, I, I, I felt a lot of shame and like I shouldn't have been feeling that way, but it was almost that feeling of, oh, why not me? Like, you know, almost a little bit of jealousy there. And that was really hard. You know, I've just, this woman is just so selflessly, selflessly giving this gift to us and, and, and she wants to grow our baby. And after that transfer, those, that feeling came up and I remember Googling, I'm like, oh, I like, is this normal? And, and, you know, I, I found articles where it's like where women had said, yes, it's like, you know, I felt like I should be be doing it and, and I, my body wasn't able to. But I did find as soon as there was a positive pregnancy test and there was a baby there, it was so much bigger than that. And now I just think I'm like healed a lot and that, that, that part of it was hard. But it's very raw and real when you're in it. Like I had postnatal depression after my surrogacy and sort of a, like the reality that you're in when you're in that reality is so real and those mm. those big emotions the jealousy and the the shame they're they're real feelings you got to you got to feel them all don't you yeah and I suppose as a as a woman yeah like I don't know just it used to feel like naturally I should be able to do that and I think because yeah I couldn't so that was one feeling that came up I suppose I don't know Anna going on um like in the pregnancy we Sarah and I were pretty open from the beginning and like pretty she's she's so relaxed like she's going to come on in a couple of weeks time and you'll get you'll see she's just pretty cruisy and we kind of were you know we've said that whatever comes up along the way we'll always be open in our communication and just work through, through things together and we just I think had this mutual respect and understanding that things might come up but we felt I suppose confident in our relationship we'd be able to work through work through them yeah and so I suppose the counseling was the first time I, I just wasn't expecting to feel very confronted with the counseling that you need to have putting out scenarios like you know if the child you know, if you need to terminate, like, you know, the, you know, who, whose decision is that? Like letting us know the legalities and just, you know, what might, what might come up. So that was the first part. And then from there, we kind of discussed, you know, what we brought up and to kind of made a bit of a plan on, you know, if things were to happen, this is what we, we would do or, um, so that was fine. But then during the pregnancy would have been, she was about oh, maybe 30 weeks along just went to a routine um, doctor's appointment. She was doing shared care with her doctor and they noticed an irregularity in the heartbeat, which they said, you know, might not be anything. So me and and my husband straight away, this is like, you know, our past trauma coming up and knowing that this this pregnancy is completely different, but you you can't help but just, we were just, yeah, obviously very anxious. Yes. But Sarah has, she's had four pregnancies and they've all been really straightforward. And she's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, so we went into the hospital, they did more scans. And then they found, found there was an issue with the placenta, not pumping as it should, not pumping the blood through as it should. Oh. And so from there, like, yeah, I was very anxious and stressed about it. But Sarah was like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so we were very different. And in that moment, I think they wanted to do a scan, but at that time Sarah had a lot going on and she needed to go to her work and I felt really out of control there. And it was one moment where I was like, this actually isn't my body. It's your baby, but not your body. And you made a different decision. And everything ended up being okay. Sure. And I think in hindsight now, I'm like, I needed her to ground me. And, And I think we kind of, we did work through it because it was a, from 30 weeks to the end of the pregnancy where then we had to go in for weekly scans and appointments 
um, just to keep checking. And I think for her, she was always like, oh, we have to go in again. And and I was like, oh, I just want to make sure that, you know, let's go in like, yeah, every day if we need to. Like, <laughs> but that was my, I know that was my past trauma coming up into this experience. But we, I think we balance each other out. But it, I just found that really hard and something that I wasn't prepared for. That's really valuable to hear. Can I ask then, yes, we're through it and you've worked through it, but was there time when you had to have this con- like a hard conversation go, I'm feeling this and you're feeling this and they're different? Or did you sort of just muddle through it and it worked out? Or did you come together and go, we feel differently? So I, I mean, I was kind of sensitive I didn't want to put everything onto her you know I didn't want her to be my counsellor and me saying I'm feeling this way and but I did say to her like obviously this is really hard for me it's bringing up a lot but then she said she came to all the appointments and it was fine and in the end like yeah it didn't end up being anything so I think we just kind of kept going through it and I was just would you do anything differently looking back on that time or if, if you were giving advice to another team like for example some people have ongoing counselling, like with their continued surrogacy psychologists, sometimes they can help mediate those scenarios either individually or as a team session. Um, or sometimes if you had like, I guess, somebody else going through it too. But yeah, would you do anything differently? Well, that's a good point. Maybe some counselling, you know, having an outside person would have helped. Helped you both see it from the other's point of view and everyone felt heard. Heard, yeah, because... And I suppose there was one, like the actual birth as well, it was the hospital had made a mistake and we thought we were, we were going to be induced that afternoon, but we actually had to come back the next morning. They were just going to do a check that afternoon. And so everyone had like got organised. They said, oh, you can stay. And Casera was, she really wanted to go into labour overnight. You can stay, but there just won't be as many doctors on. Um, so that's a risk. Like, And we were just really annoyed that they actually put that on us because well Luke and I of course hearing that like we weren't going to stay but it was really hard because Sarah was prepared like she wanted to give birth that night overnight so that was another thing that came up that was we right found to the finish yeah. line too yeah so yeah. We, ended up, we had we came back the next morning and it was all beautiful and it was all fine but Just yeah logistics for her to juggle with her family and kids and yeah and yeah so yeah I mean it just shows that surrogacy we say even when it's smooth and you've got a good friendship it's still hard God, yeah yeah even right up to the end there yeah it's changing yeah. on you and you have to yeah. adjust as a, it's not just Sarah making the decision or you you and Luke making the decision. You have to do it together. together and yeah. you might feel differently about it. The yeah. complex thing is this surrogacy, isn't it? It is really complex, isn't it? It is it is so complex. And I think I remember at the beginning thinking, oh, we've like, we're both so cruisy, like it's going to be fine. But things come up. They really, they did. And I suppose, I don't know, that could have been a better way to work through it, but I suppose that was just our experience Um I think it's really valuable for people to hear like scenarios like that. So then either if they've got their own team and they're listening, they can go, oh, what would we do in that scenario if we, you know, had conflict there? Um, so I think it's really valuable to, to share those experiences. So thank you. Here's a quick fire one. What changes would you like to see for surrogacy in Australia? I would like to see it just become something that's normal, like normalised. Like I just want to be able to talk to somebody about it and to them to understand, you know, and I think that's speaking about it more, just making it more understood because, like you said, like there's just, is it legal in Australia? Like that's a really big question still. I would love 
for Alfie to grow up, you know, and go to school and for him to say that I was, you know, I was carried by somebody else and for kids to be like, oh, okay, yeah, like not to, you know, have no idea. I just want it to become... The next level I would add to that, because that's my vision too, is that there's somebody else in his class that was also carried by a surrogate, be it here in Australia or overseas, that the question of whose tummy did you grow in is just an okay question to ask. Just like IVF is normal now, nobody questions if anybody's like, oh, you're born from a test tube, were you? Did you bond with your child? Nobody would say that now and in time that when you're standing there at the school gates, you know, picking the boys up from school, there's somebody else in the schoolyard that either was a surrogate or had to go through surrogacy and and it just gets normalised that way. Oh, definitely. And I suppose just all the, I have found the processes like, for instance, we had to do a pass for Alfie and this is before the parentage order has gone through it was just really hard because nobody knew the steps that needed to be taken and I found that with a lot of things it's just like you know Centrelink and Medicare and it's just it's they just don't know and so and even like my maternity leave like it was just a big process and I feel like I had to explain and explain and explain and so one day I hope that that all becomes more seamless and and it's a bit more of a straightforward process. Absolutely. Yep. And by do- doing these things and continuing to talk about it, mm-hmm. therefore even the people on the other end at Centrelink and Medicare, they'll have heard of more people doing it, so it'll hopefully become more normal. Yeah, I know. Well, my husband, he's in the um, Metropolitan Fire Service, and when he put in his leave, he was the first well, that they knew of, the first father that had gone through surrogacy ever with them. I mean, that's a big call, but I feel like whoever he spoke to said that they'd never dealt with this before. So that's probably right. I mean, still growing, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Any parting advice, Ellie? Any words of wisdom from things you do differently in your journey or advice just for those here tonight? I don't know where um, people are in their journey, but I was at this very real and raw beginning not that long ago. And now we have a baby here, and it's been honestly the most heart-opening, expansive experience. It's just been amazing in so many different ways. And I just think just wherever you are, just hold on to hope because it is so possible, so possible here in Australia. And, um, yeah, I just wish everyone all the best, like just cheering for you and I hope that your happy ending is just around the corner as well. Thank you for joining me. If you'd like to see the photos shared in this webinar presentation, head over to our YouTube channel to watch the webinar. You can head to surrogacyaustralia.org for more information about surrogacy. Also check out our Zoom monthly catch-up sessions, which are a great way to connect with others in the surrogacy community. Attending a Zoom is scary the first time, but there's only ever one first time. We have all been beginners at some stage. As we say, it takes a village to raise a child, And in the case of surrogacy, it takes a village to make a child, so welcome to the village.